Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 34 of Maucast. I know that you guys have missed me oh so much for the past week, but uh, I am back for one episode. Um, and tonight, we, uh, we're going to pivot to something a little more serious. We're going to talk about a lot of the uh, protests going around the world. So um, I think most of the focus has been on Cuba, so we're going to touch on that first, but then we're also going to talk about South Africa and France, which is, seems to be perpetually protesting slash rioting for the last five, six, seven years. Um, but yeah, we'll break them down one by one. And uh, in the meantime, before we get started here, uh, leave your likes, comments, whatever, what have you in the chat, and uh, we'll read them throughout, see if we can get a discussion going. So Patrick, good to see you again. Mike, you as well. So. What do you mean it's good to see me again? I've been on this whole time. Where have you been? Uh, St. Louis. Well, um, you should not do that. Yes, yes. I completely agree. <clears throat> and not allowed to go. We already have five people watching. Oh, good. Well, that's exciting. So, all right. So let's jump right into it then. <clears throat> so what have you guys heard about the protests in Cuba? Um, well, I heard from a reliable source known as the White House, that the protests are all about um, economic troubles because of COVID and lack of access to vaccinations. Absolutely not. Anyway, so that's actually... they. The White House took quite a bit of flack for that. Um, White House wouldn't lie to me. No. Yeah, no. Jen, Jen Psaki is 100% accurate about everything. So at first, that, that was a story coming out. So basically... Uh, over the weekend, that no, mass- this is not the. That was not the first story, by the way. That was the response to the actual wider well, writing. But well, yes. no, but that's the the first parroted story. Let's put it that way. Sure. Um, okay. So, over the weekend, um, Havana broke out into protests. There, you know, Cuba's economy hasn't quite been functioning since the 80s um when the so in the late 80s when the soviet union started to fall apart and so they were having plenty of problems before 20 uh 2020 and then COVID hit they had to shut everything down um and it only got worse the entire time the u.s is embargoing them because they're a communist country literally on our doorstep um so basically, the people have taken to the streets because the government has repeatedly promised to institute uh, reforms and have failed to deliver. So both Castros are now, you know, Fidel Castro and his brother are out of, the, are out of office. And so now we have a new president. So I think that's also contributing to the uh, people's willingness to kind of finally speak out. We've had a lot of different reactions from the United States about this, ranging from the mayor of Miami demanding that we launch airstrikes to AOC and Black Lives Matter, which we'll get into uh, here in a little bit. And of course, the Democratic Socialists of America, all supporting the communist regime. So, uh, Mike, why don't don't you start? um, Give me your first reaction to the, the unrest that we're seeing in Cuba. Oh, well, all right. So I don't know too much about this, but I was reading the uh, always trustworthy uh, mainstream media before I got on here uh, to see what the, uh, you know, because whatever they say, it's always the opposite. So I read (laughs) what they said. 
And they said that the only reason that this is happening, it was uh, NBC, I think. I'm not sure. I don't remember now. But uh, the only reason this is happening is because they didn't know to go the right direction with communism, like how China is doing and Vietnam is doing. That's literally what they said. That's <laughs> they, insane. They need to make the same reforms that China and Vietnam did. Well, they do communism the right way. That's actually been an argument about communism for the last 20 years because we saw the fall of the Soviet Union and then you know the collapse of a ton of different other communist regimes that operated on the Leninist Soviet style. Um, Cuba being the last one... Well, kind of North Korea is yeah. is still I, Soviet. No, style. I think Cuba is pretty much the last country that like does it the way you know Soviet Russia did. Yeah, you North know. Korea hasn't instituted the market reforms though. So, but they're they're yeah, kind of a hermit kingdom, so they can get away yeah. with it because they're, they're not, not like isn't like the crabs. Yes, exactly. Not as the crabs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're not. They're not real anyway. Not what hermit crabs? Like Australia? No, hermit crabs aren't real either. Yeah, okay. Australia is not real. Um, <laughs> Patrick told me Australia is not real, so yeah, I have it on good authority that that it's not real. Yeah, but the the argument has been that you need to blend communism with a market economy in order to make it work, which is literally just fascism. But you know, whatever. Explain, explain. Uh, merger of corporate and state. Um, communism also hold, has the same. Uh, nationalistic zeal that fascism classically tends to the only thing that you're really lacking there is kind of the quote-unquote traditionalist values which i would argue that fascism practice doesn't have anyway so i think that's a bad addition to the definition of fascism okay but wait isn't that just corporatism though not fascism <clears throat> so corporatism operates within a de within a democratic or Republican society, um, it's not not it's not an inherently autocratic system. Oligarchic, okay. sure, but not autocratic. So the only difference between fascism and corporatism is that it's uh, not autocratic. That's what you're telling me. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, if, I'm if, just if, asking. If I don't know. Way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would. I've <laughs> never thought about it that way, but um... just because of the way you're explaining it, it sounds like that would be the case. Yeah, and I mean that's. That's an interesting way to put it, and we're you know completely breaking the definitions of all of these things, which is you know fine. Well, I mean, it's usually the part time of the left or pastime of the left, but I mean, we can always engage in it if we want to. Oh, of course, of course. Um, so let's. I, I want to take a look at the reaction to the protest. So, both within Cuba and without. So after sixty plus years of this communist regime, the people are coming out, they're demanding some sort of reform. Um, the biggest push seems to be for democracy. Okay, and, and uh, I, I want to stop you there because I yeah. just want to ask, are you familiar with why now is like the big time? Um, I do not have an official answer, but I've been able to infer that between the uh, economic downturn with COVID oh, impacting an already basically non-existent hey. economy and the um, fact that the Castro regime is no longer in power both yeah. play a huge role. As far as I'm aware, it's mostly the Castro regime. Um, can you get out of here, stinky boy? Stop it. Well, and the Castros, they have they had a massive cult of personality around them that really exactly. held the held the country together. Um, yeah, I see Cuba as more of a a 
North beer. Korea than anything else. Very, very similar to North Korea in the way that they function. Yeah, but they don't have um, a long-lasting dynasty that's able to... No, they don't, and that's the problem. Um, it was basically based off purely on Fidel Castro rather than, uh, rather than uh, you know, like the, the idea of the Kims. And they're not backed up nearly as strongly by China. They had Russia, but then Russia mm -hmm. collapsed. So well, assuming it, we could see the same thing happen to North Korea that's happening to Cuba right now if, if China ever collapsed. Yeah, and it's not like Cuba doesn't still have international support from the other communist countries or from Russia. It's just not to the extent that the Soviets were subsidizing basically Cuba's existence. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what's actually Castro's biggest weakness compared to someone like Milk. Kim Milk. <laughs> Milk. Okay, what is Castro it? actually takes... I can't swear. Astro Castro poops. Kim Jong-un does not. Oh, that's true. That's a, that's a fact. He said so himself. What the that's fuck are you talking about? It's the... You uh, the <laughs> what? Uh, that movie he with James Franco. That he doesn't poop. Oh. And he also created the first cheeseburger. Yep. Um, okay. You, know this? you can no. look it's, this up. It's the it's the movie from. Uh, no, no, it's, it's actually real. Oh, is it they real? Actually, yeah, he tells them that like stuff like he doesn't poop. He created the first cheeseburger. Uh, what? Like crazy stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. One of my favorite things to to look at though is uh is the uh, like the propaganda stuff out of North Korea because it's freaking it's it's hilarious and terrifying at the same time. Yeah. Um, just because, like, you see pictures of people that are like typing and they're not doing anything; they're just sitting on the Google homepage. Yeah, I remember that video, and then they took him to talk to the only person that knew how to that was even clicking around on the screen. Yeah, it's just like, whoa! All right. Well, and that's anyway. that's the theme that we've seen that we see with all autocratic regimes. Obviously, I mean, well, because there's just it's because they're so equal. You know, like everyone's equally you know unable to do anything. They're yeah. Well, you know, that's that's the entire premise of of communism. You know, the communism and socialism is about bringing making sure that everyone is equal by bringing everyone down, not bringing everyone up, bring everyone down. Yeah. Um, well, and see, and that's the thing. That's OK. So uh, I want to make a point here. Um, you know, you always hear from people that, you know, communism doesn't work. No, no, it works really, really well. Like it's incredibly efficient at what's it want, what, what it wants to accomplish. It doesn't do anything good, right? Morally, it's wrong. It's very, very efficient at making everyone dirt poor, which is exactly what it's supposed to do. It makes everyone dirt poor. It makes it so nobody can succeed. You own nothing. You're unhappy. And you get sent to the gulag. It's very good at doing that. That's all it's supposed to do. That is its entire purpose. And it's really, really good at doing it. It's just entirely wrong. It's like a, it's, it's not a, a good way of for, organizing. It's, it's the just world another economic method to keep forum recently say that uh, you're going to own nothing and you'll be happy. Yes, with the great reset by 2030. Yeah. Come on, Patrick. Communism makes you happy. Uh, no, it doesn't. But okay. Well, okay. It can make you happy if you don't know anything else. So like people like us who are cognizant human beings of, of things other than, you know, absolute you know just destitution will be unhappy but people who are raised in a system where it's like no like that's normal and everything like that will be very happy because that's all they know you know well and that that leads to i don't know if you've seen any of the interviews with uh yanmi park the north no i have korean, not so she's a north korean defector and she, oh uh, yeah i know her yeah oh she, you're talking about the one where she's like harvard is like almost as or is worse than uh 
the North, North Korea, Korea. Yeah. yeah, the indoctrination and the and the the censorship, mm-hmm. and you know she didn't know, you know any world Think, outside of North Korea. She what she didn't know what love was. She didn't know. All she knew was that she was hungry, and that that's what yeah. drove her to leave. Not that she could go. She knew about all the freedoms in South Korea or the United States. She just there was no food in North Korea, so she left. Yeah, and that that's the thing. Like, you need a certain number. You you need certain factors for people to rise up and demand change. And usually, it's not having any money, not having any food. Or seeing an op- and seeing an opportunity because I there have been times in the past where Cuba Cubans did not have food, did not have money, but they didn't rise up because of the cult of personality around Castro. The opportunity wasn't there. I think you're right. The opportunity is there now. Um, the president, on the other hand, is uh, the current president of Cuba, has deflected and blamed everything on the United States. That it's completely the embargo's fault, and if the embargo didn't exist, then the Cuban people wouldn't be wouldn't be in the situation that they're in. Completely ignoring the fact that Cuba has support from the two other global powers, that Cuba can still trade with most nations on Earth. You know, they're basically just f- trying to scapegoat the U.S. Well, and I mean, you have certain organizations such as uh, Burn, Loot, Mortar supporting that. Yeah, so Black Lives Matter, and here, I'm going to bring this up on the screen because I think that this is important, super important to show. Um, okay. I'm going to bring it up on the screen. You guys won't be able to see it, but... I'm I'm absolutely offended, James. Why, you, why are you, you hiding this information offended. from me? I want to see it. As do I. So, I mean, it's in the Discord chat. So, up okay. here is an NBC News article. Black Lives Matter faces backlash for statement on Cuba protest. Basically, Black Lives Matter came out. Let me see if I can find. The people of Cuba are being punished by the U.S. government because the country has maintained its commitment to sovereignty and self-determination. Essentially, what they're saying here. Um, in no uncertain terms, is that it's completely the U.S.'s fault that the Cuban people are suffering. And in combination with the uh, DSA and AOC, um, Democratic Socialists of America and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, defending the Cuban regime by absolving them of any responsibility whatsoever in the suffering of their own people and the mismanagement of their own economy, which is a complete mis- mistreatment of the facts. Um, Patrick, do you know anything about the about the embargo that we've had since I think the 60s? Not particularly. I mean, uh, most of my focus for my IR degree was in the Middle East and Europe, so I kind of left out a lot of the Western Hemisphere. I mean, I can guess if you want me to guess, but it's only ever going to be a guess. I can't no, tell you no, exactly. That, that's fair. And but you're familiar with with the idea of what embargoes. Oh, do. I know what an embargo is. Yes, yeah. correct. <laughs> I'm I'm very familiar with them. Yes. Kitty Two Shoes says it's all our fault since we lack melanin. That's it. Uh, yep. That's I mean, that's saying. correct. I need um, to go get a tan. Fake it until you make uh, it. 
I, I've been informed by reliable sources that if, um, you know, like, you don't have a soul because melanin is your soul. So. Is it ginger That's, joke? like, a thing, apparently. No, it's, like, actually, like, a thing that, like, the, the left believes for whatever reason. Like, Black Lives Matter people. Okay. Wow. They, we we well, could okay, do an Black entire... Black Lives Matter also said that the American flag needs to be retired because it's a symbol of hate. Yeah. And, I mean, along that line, Mike, with the American flag thing is, is, uh, you know, I... I We've been we're talking about uprisings right now. I think this is pretty poignant. Yeah. Not to like take us away too much, but we did have that YouGov poll come out that said uh, that something like thirty three percent or whatever, like a third of the country wants to secede in a variety of different ways. And it's not like a classic CSA versus USA thing. It's more like uh, uh, various little micro nations, like groupings of uh, groupings of different uh, states Let that me want see to if secede. I can bring that up. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but, you know, and we're seeing this and it's, it's pretty hardline party vote. I mean, during Trump era, you had almost all Democrats, something like 80% of Democrats said that they weren't proud to be American. Whereas, uh, now you have them all saying, oh, I'm super proud of being, well, not all of them, more like 60% saying that they're proud of being American. So for them, it's very dependent on who's in the white house where it's consistently, you see Republicans are more proud of being American, regardless of who's in the white house, whether or not it's a you know, deranged old man or Trump, you know, they don't really, they don't really seem to be too upset about that. I think that's ridiculous because it should be 100%. It should always be 100%. But with no question about it, it should be absolutely 100%. It's the greatest country on earth. And you can have the worst president that we've ever had in history be the president of the United States and still be proud of the United States because I'm not proud of the president. I'm proud proud of the country. But yeah. but the thing is, they have their own flag. You know, like there's a very clear distinction right now. They have the Progress Pride flag. Republicans have the American flag. If you see someone waving an American flag, most people think that they're a Republican, and yeah. I think for good reason. And I think it's like not like, you know, people are like, oh, that's divisive. Don't talk. Well, no, it's just it's a fact. I'm sorry. You know, like most people that fly the American flag are going to be Republicans. And that's not saying Democrats can't. I'm just saying a, a more a smaller proportion of them do. So that's well, all I'm saying on that. And that's a that's honestly a new um, a new development because it wasn't long ago that the American flag was one of the last things that the American people could rally around. Oh yeah, and I think and I think BLM really ruined that. I think I think it's entirely attributed to BLM. And the uh, protests of the American flag during and the NFL games, you know, they have their own, um, they have their entirely own national anthem now. They have the black national anthem. You know, they have the progress pl- pride flag. They are making their own country. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to destroy the United States and out of the ruins, make their own completely new country with their own set of rules, putting themselves in power because for whatever reason, they think that they've been put upon. So... That's what they're doing, and I think it's about time that we start paying attention to it and well, take it seriously. This this goes back to the to the Marxist ideology that we see them exhibiting by supporting the Cuban the Cuban communist regime here. Yeah, is that so? How do you reform society? First off, you have to destroy the current one. You have to find a yes. way to convince people that the current society is bad and tear it asunder. Um, there's yes. a lot of ways you could do it, but the, the seems to be the preferred way is by undermining the institutions and basically supplanting them with your support, with your supporters. And that's what we see um, 
the far left doing and you know it it it's scary and i honestly the fact that they so blatantly showed their colors that you know they tipped their hand with this with the cuba protest going on right now is it that surprised even me i didn't i you know the, the democratic Socialists of america come out and support the cuban regime okay you know they're they're literally textbook they say they're they're socialists that's not surprising um aoc comes out and says also not surprising she's just you know searching for attention that's all she cares about she's a celebrity um but black lives matter that's not something that i expected and i will also say i did not expect um president biden to kind of reverse course on his initial assessment of why the people are protesting and instead um support the idea uh, that we should intervene in some way, shape, and form. He's not looking at violent intervention, but he is looking at other forms of intervention at the moment. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, uh, to me, I, I think that the era of like, and, and, you know, this is classic Monroe doctrine right now, okay? The era of intervention is not over in our own hemisphere. And James, you know, I'm very isolationist when it yes. comes to foreign policy. Uh, I'm of the opinion that we shouldn't go places, but if we do go places, we need to finish it and get out quickly. You know, we need to get in there, achieve whatever we're trying to do, and then get out. In Afghanistan, we basically were already out. We had a skeleton force there that basically prevent that's going to pre or should have rather prevented like any like ISIS showing up, and we weren't really losing too many American casualties. Am I wrong, Mike? Yeah, pretty much nobody. Yeah, pretty much nobody. There were, so it's... There were more people dying in training accidents uh, in the last couple of years than uh, overseas. Yeah, more. so it's not like we're we're currently in an endless war. It's similar to uh, South Korea, for example. Like the Afghanistan occupation is similar to South Korea. Now, this is actually something that I've changed my stance on a little bit uh, in, in uh, recent times by doing some research into the uh, the military occupation of South Korea. I did not actually know this until very recently that it actually took uh, several attempts for South Korea to become a democracy. Like they're, they're on their sixth republic like right now because of how hard it was for them to be to to switch from their history, their cultural history of strong men into a democracy. And it's still fairly uh you know corrupt as we saw with president park well to this day park was the daughter of was the last military dictator of south korea yeah and that was from like the, that. the 80s i think yes if i remember yes. correctly i i believe so and but it's like things like that you know we're not going to be able to achieve the goal of essentially creating this this more moderate democratic regime that promotes you know women's rights uh, you know, fair and free elections, things of that nature. Um, like for, you know, within 20 years, we need at least 50, if not more. We need to like two whole generations of instilling these more democratic ideals to get there. And if we're doing that without losing anybody and we're creating this essentially this this um, buffer state between Russia and China, we're not really losing too much and we're gaining a whole lot. So it makes sense for us to be there. Now, should we have gone there in the first place? I mean, I think so. I mean, the, the Taliban was there. They were a huge threat to us internationally following 9-11. And I think even before that. 
I think so, I think the important question to ask though when we're talking about something like that is do the people want us there because the people Oh, the people have want us there. The the I I'm pretty sure um Mike you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the uh, the Afghanis that are trying to build a functional government that's not Taliban do want us there. Mike. And that's and that's the difference I think between not want us there. The Iraqis didn't and that's that's uh, so I was going to say I think in the first place so I don't blame them. Yeah, we should never have been in Iraq. We just completely destabilized the regime for no good reason. And they didn't want us there. So, like, the Iraq war, no. Afghan Does makes a lot more sense. Access to the Stargate. Shut up. The Stargate. <laughs> what are you talking about? The Stargate in Iraq. I have and no idea. I don't know. Thank what? you, Kitty Two Shoes. What is Kitty Two Shoes? She on? told me that my cat was on the counter. Boomer's on the counter. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it's just that's uh, that's how that's at least how I see it, um, you know, and and I'm a pretty isolationist guy. Yeah. So speaking of inter in intervention, I'm not I don't want to speculate on what kind of intervention we should or shouldn't do, because the uh, the consensus thus far seems to be anywhere between support the communist regime and nuke the communist regime. So, you know, everything appears to be on the table. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, one thing... but no, no. what I was going to say, though, is I think we should we should enact Monroe, Monroe Doctrine, which is one of the oldest pieces of, of international policy that we have in this country and help these Cuban people. And if Russia and China are like, don't do it or Iran, nobody cares what Iran thinks. No. But if Russia and China are like, don't do it, be like, OK, stick in your own hemisphere. Well, if they say, well, you should, too, and be like, no. Well, okay, here's the thing. So, yeah, Russia, China, and Iran all came out and basically told the United States, do not intervene in any way, shape, or form with Cuba. Now, nobody cares what Iran thinks, so we're just going to focus on Russia and China. Um, yes. So, two questions, and I'm, I'm going to ask them both, and then I'm going to open up to you guys. First, if assuming Russia and China are serious, do you think that it's worth sparking an international incident to intervene in Cuba, sparking an incident with Russia and China. Second, how do you respond to, I've seen this a lot as well, people comparing Cuba to Taiwan, um, saying that Taiwan is just off of China's coast. It's a it's the polar opposite of what China is, just as Cuba is a polar opposite um, in terms of type of government and economy that the US is. Uh, the criticism has been levied, you know, we want to intervene in Cuba, but then we sit there and tell China they can't intervene in a sovereign nation off of their coast. Um, how do you respond to that criticism? Uh, let's start with with you, Patrick, or Mike. You okay? You had something. Oh yeah. So I'm I'm really easy with this. So no, we don't. We shouldn't mess with Cuba. People that want to come, uh, you know, political refugees that want to leave Cuba and come here, that we should take them in because they're political refugees and they qualify for being refugees, and then. China shouldn't mess with Taiwan. It's the same thing. We shouldn't, and as we shouldn't mess with Cuba. Okay, fair enough. What about? So I guess that answers the first question as well. You don't think that, you know, it's not worth it's not worth sparking an incident. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely not. What do you think, Patrick? Oh, I uh, very much disagree, and I don't think that there's an equivalency here between us and China. I think that anyone that tries to draw an equivalency is is making a mistake in the sense that. We are a significant, I don't, I, I don't like Joe Biden, but we are a significantly better country morally. I don't think that there's a moral equivalence between us and China. Everywhere American boots goes, freedom follows. 
sometimes slowly, but eventually freedom follows. And freedom is a generally good, uh, good philosophy and a, and a good thing for people to experience. I think, I agree, I think we should take two steps. I think that step number one is anyone that's trying to get out of Cuba, we should take them out because they're clearly more patriotic than at least half of our own country. Step two is if uh, we still see these human rights abuses going on in their country and they don't get a handle on things, they don't, you know, respect the, you know, the, the right to choose their own government, as BLM has said, then we move in. I think that we cannot sit by while on our border uh, we see human rights violations because I don't think that China is going to sit back and say, oh, well, because the, uh, the United States didn't intervene in uh, Cuba, we should respect the, the precedent and not intervene here. No, they're going to say, well, they're weak, so we're going to intervene in Taiwan because they, they can't control their own borders. How, what makes us think that they're going to be able to interfere with us taking over Taiwan? They're just going to be like, okay, sounds good. And move in. Anybody thinks that China is going to see us not intervening with Cuba and be like, oh, you know what? That's such a good idea. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, China, no, just, nobody thinks that. Like, China that, will nobody stomp. thinks that China is going to do that. China I don't will think stomp over every Cuba. single international precedent that's been set. Yeah. They, they, they like to say, oh, XYZ countries. I think, is... I think the, only, the only problem right now, as I see it, is if we had a much stronger president, I, I would be totally comfortable with my solution I just proposed. The only problem I see is that if Joe Biden does this, and then China moves in on Taiwan, and Joe Biden's like, "Hey, no, like, don't do that." China will just be like, "You guys just did that to Cuba," and Joe Biden will be like, "Well, I guess you're right. Yeah, okay, go and prison Taiwan, Taiwan people." It's like, well, yeah, I, I can see him doing that, but I do think that if we we need to be able to control our own borders, and they're only like what? How close are they? Like ninety miles off 90 the coast miles, of Florida? Yeah. You know, like we should be able to. The problem like step is, in and say, yeah, "Hey, our border—that's their border. Protect our border. Like, like you said, protect our borders. Stay at our borders and protect them. See, Don't go into other countries thinking they're part of our borders. We're not protecting our. Well, borders. every country in the, in the world belongs to America. Well, every country is <laughs> in America. In America, but, um, uh, but yeah. No, I mean, I'm just if if we're seeing clear, like not right now." But like, if they continue, we, we should send out a warning and say, hey, listen, um, Raul or whoever is in control. It's not Raul. I know it's not. But, no, I can't remember um, his name. Menendez. Um, if you keep on, uh, for those people who know uh, Black Ops, Black Ops 2, uh, Menendez, if you keep shooting protesters, we are coming in. Like, just very clear, we are going to step in and we're going to restore, you know. I'd be severely disappointed if that is the thing that just makes us decide to go in because well, what, what would you rather be? as we speak is harvesting living people's organs and selling them on the black market and killing people loading them onto trains You're talking about china damn thing about it yeah well okay well we can't expect anything to be done about china because they have that's joe biden's balls and vice that's up cross yeah no i i agree well, i we should have stepped into china like a long time ago invade cuba we gotta invade china then because oh, they're yeah. okay. worse things I mean, we just have to make sure that we have Cass's Belli against them, and then we can, you know, launch a non-surprise war, and uh, that way we generate less grievances. Not go to war with any of these countries and let them, <laughs> you know, burn. Well, okay, here's, the, here's the thing, I'm okay though. with Cuba being a 54th, 51st state. From, from a moral perspective... Or Greenland. So, the United States has to look after its own citizens first. Yes. And 
after that, I think that it should look abroad and see, ask itself the question, how can we, from a position of strength and wealth, help citizens around the world, especially those who are downtrodden and being stomped on by their own government? You know, I do think that we should do what we can to combat the authoritarianism and the suppression in China. But there's a huge difference between military intervention in Cuba and military intervention in China. One yeah. of them is a long One of them's going to be over significantly faster. Yeah. One of them is going to be a lot easier to do. But I'm not saying both, that we should. We do both. Yeah, I'm not saying that we should intervene militarily in Cuba, but there is a there, there's a world's difference between Cuba military intervention to save the people and, of Cuba. And there's also, and there's China. a moral difference in, in us intervening in Cuba and China intervening in, um, in uh, Taiwan. Like there's a significant moral difference there. I, I don't think that they're, they're, they're in kind at all. No. I think they're, they're very different. Because China wants to literally enslave the people of Taiwan and take Whereas the we want to free Cuba and bring them into the 21st century and out of the 1950s. You know, mm -hmm. we want to give them the right to vote. We want to give them the right to choose their own government, which they do not currently have. And I do not care what, you know, uh, AOC or BLM has to say about it, because it, like most things, AOC is wrong about it. Well, the not, funny, not every time. The funny thing things. is, they're saying the Cuban people have the right to choose their own government, but they're not talking about the Cuban people. They're talking no, about they're talking the, about the oligarchy. Yeah, the oligarchy, the, the, the Communist Party that's in power. They're saying they... They specifically say the revolutionaries. They believe that the communists have the right to choose communism. They don't believe that the pro-democracy people have the right mm -hmm. to choose democracy. And yeah, no, and I think I, I, I want to add to this. And usually, and this goes for, um, I think, in general, Democrats, whenever, and I'm, not, I'm talking about elected Democrats, whenever they say our democracy, they don't mean our democracy. They mean their oligarchy. That's what they're talking about at the end of the day. At no point do they ever mean, oh, I really do care about what the people of Wyoming think and I want to respect what they... No, they don't care about that. They care about New York City, Chicago, and Los Angeles. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about the wealthy people that live in the cities. That's all they care about. And if... I, I will... I'm going to plug this here. Um, if you guys want a really good breakdown of this kind of relationship, both in democracies and autocracies, I would suggest the Dictator's Handbook. It's a fantastic breakdown of the essential electorate that. and uh the central electorate the interchangeable electorate and the nominal electorate so definitely give it a read it's pretty it's a pretty light read in yeah opinion. i don't know i don't know what you're talking about at all what is that uh well, i thought you were about to say uh um rise of kingdoms or something like that <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna say this right here if you want to learn about raid shadow legends by, by lilith by lilith <laughs> No, uh, so it's a book that I got from my history professor junior year of high school. And basically what it does is the, the title Dictator's you Handbook. You pick a country and then you progress through the ages. No, shut up. Oh. Shut up. <laughs> uh, I have Joan of Arc. It's all the, it's all the rules that dictators and de uh, Democrats, little d Democrats, need to follow um, in order to stay in power. And it's essentially you have to please the people that place you there. And the only difference between autocracies and democracies from a purely logical standpoint is the number of people that place you there and how, and therefore how you keep them happy. Democracy. Oh, yeah, this is like the, the keys to power by uh, um, SCP Gray or whatever, right? 
uh, you're. Uh, I know Mike, what Mike would know. I not, know not what book you're Mike, talking about. Mike. I know. No, that's not a book. It's a video on YouTube. I know, but he's referencing a book, and that I. Oh, okay. I just Wait, don't. What know are you that. talking about, Andrew? Uh, uh, the keys to power by SCP Gray. I don't know. Uh, it's like a video all about like how CGP to how theory. to stay in power and everything or whatever. Hey, hang on. SCP is something else. If Mike if Mike Lee was here, he would know. The only thing I know is to use gift code AFK eight eight eight. Who is Kitty Shoes? Because I love their sense of humor. <laughs> you got to get your thirty free draws, guys. The forty eight laws of power by Robert Greene. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, I I haven't read it clearly as it's in pristine condition, but uh, I do know what you're referencing. But yeah, so if you're if you're ever curious about um, what you know, just from a purely logical standpoint, removing morals, the difference between democracies and autocracies. It's definitely a good read. Last thing I want to talk about, though, before we uh, move on to Cuba, is I just want to mention, we've touched on it briefly, but the response from the Cuban regime has been typical. Um, they shut down the internet. They've already opened fire on protesters. There are reports coming out that they are literally beating protesters in the streets. Um, they're unconfirmed because, obviously, we're not allowed to report there. Um, and by wait, me, wait, I who's mean this? America. Uh, Cuba. Oh, Cuba. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, okay. I think it's pretty. Con it's pretty conclusive when we see them arresting people who are reporting stuff, like in the middle of the report. They just show up at their house, they're like, "Hey, you're arrested now." Yeah, it's, uh, re there was a reporter reporting for a Spanish uh, news network yeah. that was arrested live on air for mm -hmm. reporting about the about the protests. So yes, I will say I was actually able to understand what she was saying too because I do speak some Spanish. So I was like, oh, "That's impressive." Oh yeah, all right. Well, have fun. So the so. last the last thing I'm going to say about this before we move on um, is our hearts and our you know mine and Patrick our hearts and prayers go out to uh, go out to the people of Cuba. Um, I'm sure Mike and Mike and Mike's gonna Mike gives his monies out. Right, Mike. Your monies go out. My like instead of your hearts, your hearts, your thoughts and prayers, it's your monies. Yep, that's it. <laughs> the so monies. the next, the other protest that that has really gained traction. There's two of them. One of them is South Africa. One of them is France. I want to uh, touch on. Oh, yeah, South Africa is on fire. <laughs> South. Okay, we'll talk about South Africa. South Africa is literally on fire. Yeah. So the former president um, is on trial for corruption. And recently he refused to appear and testify before the Constitutional Court. So they uh, held him in contempt of court. They arrested him. And uh, did he appealed to be let out. And the Constitutional Court said no. And so spurred on, supposedly, by his daughter, by the former president's daughter, all these people are going out. They're rioting. They're, they're shooting in the streets. Over 25,000 troops have been deployed to put them down. And... Um, I need to I need to translate the uh, the the amount of money, but over twenty billion of their currency I don't know how to pronounce it has been uh, has been done in damage. I know I know who Priscilla is, by the way, Mike. Oh okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know who that is. Yeah. I'm looking so, at that. Sorry. Oh, Go no, ahead. You're good. You're good. So no, Priscilla, this is uh, this is Travis's older brother, Mike. Obviously. What? <laughs> That's the wrong mic. <laughs> Shut up. But um, yeah, so this is anyway, purely continue. politically motivated. This isn't 
The other, the other protests we're looking at today, you know, Cuba is about democracy. Uh, France is about right, the freedom, freedom and right to choose. But this one seems to be more akin to the riots that we saw in the United States last year, um, particularly in Kenosha and Chicago, where people are taking in a political event and using it as an opportunity to loot and burn things to the ground. Um, yeah, things have gotten really bad in South Africa. And this is what happens when you have diehard political factions. Even before uh, Zuma, the former president, was, was arrested, he had supporters outside his, armed supporters outside his residence trying to protect him from police before he turned himself in. Um, yeah. Are either of you familiar with the Gracchi brothers? Not a clue. Nope, never heard of uh, those, like, Wait, wait, hold on. Are those the guys that uh, helped uh, Juicy Smollett, uh, like, fake being hung in MAGA country or whatever in Chicago? No. no. Okay. Um, so the Gracchi brothers were politicians in Rome um, just a century or so before the fall of the Republic. And they were the, really the beginning of the populist movement. And, but more importantly, they galvanized people in a way more akin to what we're seeing today. That it, you know, it made people, of course, James takes us back to Rome. Yeah, I, you're right. Um, I was wondering where Surprise on Black was. Uh, he's been watching this whole time. He's been lurking. Oh, I'm sure. But Are you lurking? He's a lurker. They they galvanized the uh, the plebeian class in yeah. in a class struggle basically against the patricians, and led it led to a form of identitarian politics, um, kind of similar to what we've seen today. But most importantly, it led to violence in the streets. There were literal mobs of people within the city of Rome beating each other to death, and both Gracchi brothers, by the way, were executed by patrician mobs. Uh, or mobs supporting. I, I swear, I had nothing to do with it. Uh, oh, it oh yeah, because Patrick. Okay. Yeah, Patrick um, is literally derived from patrician, which means nobleman. And, thank you. And this is this is what we're starting to see in the United States, and this is the conclusion that we've seen in South Africa, which is admittedly a, a more fragile democracy, considering just forty years ago they were still under apartheid, but. Um, this is this is what happens when you have diehard factions that refuse to negotiate with each other and are willing to resort to violence. And I don't know, Patrick, give me your give me your thoughts on on this sort of identitarian conflict. I mean, it's not something that I wouldn't be. I, I could expect it to see, to be honest, out of South Africa because they just had apartheid, like you said. It's only been forty years. Whereas we've been out of the, you know, out of slavery since the, you know, 1860s or whatever. And then we've been done with uh, all Jim Crow and everything like that since the 60s. So we have like a couple more decades on uh, South Africa as far as like race relations go. I see Daisy. Milo's on the counter, James. Oh, right there. Hey, that's easy. Yeah, that's Okay. Um, no, I mean, like, it's it's not something that I wouldn't be surprised seeing, especially with the fact that we're seeing all of this burn loot murder stuff spreading, and they're like they're um, what I call CRAP, 
uh, critical race uh, applied principles. Um, that and that and DIE, which is diversity, inclusion, and equity, mm-hmm. or die. Uh, so we're seeing CRAP and DIE spreading all over the place, and it's going to take really good hold in South Africa, considering their history and considering how recent it was. Um, you well, know, and without really strong people like Nelson Mandela there to kind of fix things, you know, it's it's not going to go over very well, I don't think. Well, you've you've got factions factions that they faction leaders that all they want is power and you've got people who are basically just willing to follow. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Wait, here, here, James. Yeah. Uh, do you know when Nelson Mandela passed away? It was just a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. In 2013. And then after like eight years later, it's on fire because there's nobody there. I don't think that there's anyone there that it, and I think I see this here as well. There's nobody there that's well-respected by both sides anymore. Nelson Mandela was, pretty well respected by both sides um you know he clearly was on one side but i think because of his tactics and because of his charm and because of genuine good person he was he was well respected we don't have anyone like that either in america anymore and i think that that's what's caused a we huge rift and he looks just like him what we have morgan freeman he looks just <laughs> like him yeah but like even morgan freeman i don't think that he has the charm anymore to really to really do anything because uh take someone like chris pratt for example very well liked, very likable person, great actor, really funny, just a genuine guy. But because he wouldn't say what the liberal establishment wanted him to say, all the Democrats got up in arms against him. He wasn't saying anything against them. He was just saying, "Yeah, I don't want to go to Joe Biden's fundraiser. I'm not interested. I'm an actor. I don't want to do that." You know, but but that was enough for him to be branded as the other, mm-hmm. or you know, or worse, an apostate. So. Yeah normal views well yeah like or or he just wasn't interested in getting like we don't even know what his views are because he doesn't talk about them all, all we know about yeah, him is that he's a christian that had the um yeah and now uh, now we know that he has the don't tread on me shirt but this isn't at, the, at that time either according to the so, art so. yeah. but, but my my point is that to the left if you don't endorse not accept endorse enthusiastically what they're doing you are considered at best, the other, and at worst, an apostate. And you are now on the other side, regardless of how you feel. If you say, listen, I just don't want to be involved. I have zero interest in this conflict right now. I just want to go to work. I want to raise my kids. I want to do my thing. That's not acceptable. You have to endorse what they're saying. And if you don't, silence is violence. And speech is even more violence if you say what they don't want you to say. So that's where you're at. You either have to endorse what they're saying, whereas on the right, and this is where this is why we lose, right? Is we say, listen, I respect your, your right to not be engaged in this fight. You know, I respect your right to not want to stand, do anything because, you know, I don't want to force you to do that because it's not our ethos. And that's why the right keeps losing is because it keeps saying, and I'm not saying that necessarily we should change, but I think we should recognize the reason we lose a lot of these political fights is because we respect people who want to stay out of it. And so, like being angry with them and trying to guilt them or shame them or whatever into uh, into joining us. Yeah, and you know, to quote Guns N' Roses, what we have here is a failure to communicate. Um, as soon as one side of a debate refuses to communicate with the other because their hatred for them is so intense and irrational that it's completely impossible to overcome, then all you it becomes a zero-sum game very quickly. They demand complete and total victory, but they will not accept any and will not accept any sort of compromise. So they either win everything 
or lose everything. And that's when politics goes from mundane discussions about taxes to... Taxes? Yeah. Taxes. Taxes. To so I like using taxis. No, taxes. I mean I get really heated about taxis as well. Shut up. But to something <laughs> much, much scarier, and uh, you know, it's it's you people see it in in a country like South Africa, and they say, "Oh, it can never happen here." We've been on that march for the last ten plus years now, and I do not, I do not want to see it continued to the point where South Africa is at right now, where people are oh, literally yeah. firing at each other in the streets. It's, but, it's but scary. we're already, we're already at the, that we're just yep. a bigger country. I think that, that, I think that the only difference between us and South Africa right now, as far as like political tensions goes, is we're a bigger country. If I don't want to live in Illinois anymore, because I think it's a hellhole right now, I can move, I can move to Wyoming. I can move to Iowa. I can move wherever I want. You know, we have the ability, like we're, humans often act like animals in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of people in South Africa feel cornered because it's a much smaller country. So they're going to fight back. You know, you, you, you flight as much as you can. And then when you can't flight anymore, you fight back. You know, that's the, that's the problem. Well, and, and this is supposed to be the I think, beauty. I think if you look at a place that has a lot of people living in, in concert with one another, you're going to see, all of these riots, like look at everywhere that, you know, all the, all the big cities had huge riots and lots of property damage over the summer. Because we are having the same issues that South Africa is having, I think that it's just more spread out. So you're not going to see these big factions fighting each other with guns. You're going to see these small skirmishes all over the place with people with Molotov cocktails, with bricks and bats. And we and had someone in control. Too. They're what? all fighting with guns. Well, that too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, but it's on a smaller scale. Yeah. You know, and that, that's the only, I think the only difference is scale right now. I think that if we were to have a city in the United States right now that was split 50-50 Republican-Democrat, it would already be up, up in flames and burned to the ground because it would have just been that bad. But we can, don't. We have cities that are majority Democrat. Can you come back from that is, is the question once you cross that. Historically, we have not seen many instances where political factions break out into violence and then come back from the brink of some sort of civil conflict. And now we're seeing polls where 30, where more than a third of Americans want to break the country up in some way, shape or form. We've still got, you know, we still have riots. We have, we have shootings. Um, we've got the government cracking down with these, with, you know, uh, working with Facebook to stop misinformation, basically telling Facebook and Twitter who to censor, um, I think we can definitely come back from this because, I mean, it's not the first time that we faced riots across the whole country. I mean, look, look at when Martin Luther King was assassinated by the CIA. Um, that happened. But um, there were riots all over the country, and it was the worst riots that the country had ever seen until these riots, which are only a little bit worse. Yeah, and, and I, I think, I think that... Thrived, so we can I think back. that we need to look at what is causing the riots and i think that if we address the reason why there are riots in the first place i think that we can come back from that and the reason that there are riots in the first place is because i think personally that there are too many people in this country who are fat lazy and are used to the honey and milk of the land i think that there's too many people here that think that they don't have to work for what they have and i don't think that that's 
a bloomer issue. I don't think that's a millennial issue. I think it's just a generational issue. We we don't have an existential, or at least in, in the public mind, okay, there isn't an existential crisis outside of like climate change. And when you, and I don't even think that that's an existential, existential crisis, but like, that's it. I mean, I think China's a big deal. Yeah. But so China, China to the American pop- population is not Soviet Russia. We don't have the media telling us that we need to duck underneath our desks every 30 minutes because a bomb might go off. Okay, yes, but you know. I will say that China is becoming that. If you look at the trend... Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's not my point. My my point isn't whether what's true. It's what people think. Well, and okay? that's, that, that was my point. don't think people think that there's anything that's wrong besides climate change. Well, and was, I don't think that they're. I don't think they're right. That was my point. Ch- a, an opposition to China is the only thing that is becoming a bipartisan issue slowly. But if you look at how the people's, how the American public's perception of China has been trending over the last five or six years, it's been just straight down. Um, and I think. Yeah, and I think I think that the only way that we can come back together as a country is I think that the Democrats need a moderate. I think that they need to look at themselves and say, "Listen, we've gone way too fucking far, and we need to." They need to recognize where they where they've made mistakes, but they know that the Obama era tactics of just calling your opponents racist, bigots, sexist, homophobes are really effective at not only activating your base but deactivating your enemy's base, which are the two things that you want to do when it comes to political races. You want to make it harder for people to vote for the other guy and easier to vote for you. Trump made it harder to vote for everybody. Okay? <laughs> that's, what, that's what he did. He made it harder to be, for people to vote for him, but really hard for, for the people to vote for the other person too. So, for example, in 2016, people thought Hillary was going to win. So they said, okay, I don't want to vote for Hillary because she's kind of garbage. I don't want to vote for Trump, so I'm just not going to vote. But you had people say, I like Trump. I'm going to vote for Trump. And that's what, that's what we had happen. In 2020, you had people say, listen, Trump can win. I don't want to vote for Biden. And I don't want to vote for Trump, but I think Trump is worse, so I'm going to go vote for Biden. And that's what happened. I think people recognized Trump could win, and they turned out for it. I think people were also misled. I think there's also uh, certain things happening in certain states right now that I've been talking to James about that might suggest certain other things that were happening that we didn't know about in November, but might have been happening that are not necessarily the best things to be happening. And I think you guys should all Google uh, certain things that are happening in certain states that we can't say on YouTube or else the stream will get cut down. All, but, we, all we can say is that audits are happening and you can look into it on your own. Yes, audits are happening. You should guys all check out the testimony. Like, the, our stream will just be shut down if we say yes. that. Yes, yes. And, yes. Which is abs- absurd, by the way. We can't talk, we can't give opinions on our, on our own election, you know. We, In the news. No. They, they won't, they, social media, no. 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 But but my, my point is, my point is, at the end of the day, is I think it's, the Republicans have done everything they can. They've they've met halfway. They've done everything they want, and now they're just getting run over. They're not going to be run over anymore. They're they're going to be starting to fight back. And I think it's up to the Democrats now to say, "Hey, listen, we've gone too far. We want to back up here. We want to moderate. We want to like come back to the table." But I don't think that they're going to do that because power is just too tasty. You know, it's I just agree. too too enticing. And in our in our last little bit of time here, I do want to touch. This is related to this is because. Uh, something that the Democrats have proposed in the past, not all of them, but many of them, is the idea of vaccine passports. So 
France has also erupted in protest in the last few days because their President Macron has initiated legislation that would mandate vaccine passports. Um, they, they call it something else. For anyone trying to get into bars, restaurants, shopping malls, basically any public space. Um, and the protesters are saying, in my opinion, rightfully so, that it's a complete... That it's it's a complete violation of of their freedom to choose, and this is particularly relevant to the United States because, you know, a year ago people everyone was saying, oh, vaccine vaccine passports are, will never happen. That's fear mongering. And now you have the mainstream media and many prominent people on the left saying that it's something that we desperately need. You know, until just a month ago or so ago there was still serious concerns that the Biden administration would attempt to mandate it. And I think they backed off on that one because there was such a serious backlash. Um, and I think the, the entire world really is looking at France seeing, okay, how are people going to react to the idea of a vaccine passport? And the clear answer, which anyone with a brain could have told you was poorly. <laughs> poorly. That's that's a really democratic way of putting it. Not democratic and like or diplomatic rather. Diplomatic. Uh, that's a really diplomatic way of putting it. Rather that I, I for, Freudian slip there. And this, they're going to react pretty poorly to this. Yeah, burning cars in the middle of the street is poorly reacting. Well, yeah. By the way, the cat's in the sink. Oh goodness gracious! <laughs> he can. Anyway, See, that's why you just have beds like this next to your computer, so your cats can go sit on it. My cats don't like their bed. He's getting so big. He's doubled in size since we first got him. Yeah, I saw that. Like, doubled, like he's huge. Well, do that's what my kitten did. But yeah, yeah. so well, Daisy's now a full-grown cat, isn't she? No, she. You're still a kitten until one year old. Oh, How really? old? I thought she was a year already. Oh no, you got her in the fall, didn't you? Uh, yeah, end of the summer, fall time. Beginning yeah, of fall. She, uh, uh, James, I want to end on a little bit of a high note here, because okay. uh, I know we're coming close to time. My story of, uh, of uh, how you got Daisy. What? Can you tell the story of how you got Daisy? Just real oh, quick. I can't. Why? Alright, well, I'll tell a uh, censored version of it. Yeah, that's fine. So I'm sitting on the front porch and uh, <laughs> watching You're having a cigar. Cast. Yeah. yeah. Um, this tiny little kitten that was so small that she could fit on top of my head uh, just walked out into the middle of the driveway and like sat down and then looked at me and went meow <laughs> and then I went to the gas station got some food put it on a little tray got a cardboard box and he sat in there for a while and then took him inside and then uh, you took her to the vet found yep. out it was a girl because yep. you had uh, you had a name picked out for girl and boy, right? Yeah, it was Goon. <laughs> boy. Um, That's... And then and then uh, uh, I believe you did. You sleep with her like the first night or second night, something like that. No, she slept in the bathroom. Oh, okay, I couldn't remember. Uh, but then uh, then she stayed at mom and dad's house until you completed your move. Yes. So and then the rest is history. Now he's got a little baby kitten. That that mm. that reminds me of uh, Milo. Uh, one of my cats, Elena, my fiance got Milo. Um, it was in the middle of the winter. He was outside. He was sick. But originally, uh, she thought that he was a guy, and I can't. Or that was it was a girl. And I was gonna uh, say, I'm pretty sure it's a guy. Up. 
Uh, so she had the name picked out, Millie. Um, took her, to, took him to the vet, and found out that he was a guy. So changed it to Milo. So similar boat, just opposite direction. Um, Fair enough. But yeah, anyway. so I think that that's nice to end on a little bit of a, a lighter note. We talked, we talked about a lot of heavy stuff tonight. Um, and this, the young, this stuff is not going away. Milo Milo is adorable. Be nice to Milo. Um, so we will definitely be talking about this again. Um, next week, Patrick is next week, wine week. Next week is wine week. Okay. So, um, who all is going to be on that? Your, your wife, my fiance, your mom, and who else? Uh, my mom is not going to be on it. You don't listen to anything that I tell you, do you? I, it's going I, to be. I listen to I'll, I'll make the announcement. Yeah, you, you seem to have attention deficit disorder. Uh, I t- Next week will be all girls, for those of you who are interested in that. Uh, my wife will be taking over my position as main host, and then we will have uh, James's fiance Alina, taking over his position as main producer. And then we will also be having on Ailey, Anna, and uh, I think there's one other person. I can't remember. Oh, and Katie. Um, so we will have a full slate of women on here to discuss wine and girl stuff or whatever the heck they're going to talk about. And uh, it should follow similarly as our beer podcast did with a general discussion of wine on Monday and then a tier list on Friday or whatever they decide they're going to end up doing because the guys will be on vacation that week. Yes, yes. We will be off and hopefully uh, Alina does a better job of producing than I did. So we'll see. But besides that. uh, So thank you guys for watching. Definitely tune into that next week. I'm going to be tuning in to support my fiance and learn about wine i've never been a big wine fan but i wasn't a beer fan until we had that beer uh beer podcast and then now i drink beer so who knows maybe this will also change my life and make me more alcoholic drink responsibly uh, which i think we could always uh always do (laughs) so anyway yep thank you guys for watching um like and subscribe if you're on youtube follow if you're on twitch uh and definitely share this podcast it's a huge help um, obviously we talk about so a lot of fun stuff, but also some stuff that YouTube doesn't really like us talking about. So the only way that anyone's going to find out about this is if you share it. So it's a huge help. Thank you guys. Um, for and one, one last thing that I'm going to, I'm going to make a request for is, uh, make sure that if you have Amazon prime link, your accounts, uh, link your prime account with your Twitch account and it costs no money to you, but give us a prime subscription there really helps us out and uh, keeps us, keeps the lights on here. So, which I'm sure James could use right now because if you guys are seeing James's screen, it's like he's in the middle of darkness. I'm slow. I'm slowly, yeah, slowly becoming darker here. Through your door any second now. Yeah. The FBI are going to come in. The, the Cuban FBI are going to come in and take you away. Uh, yeah. So anyway. All right. Thank you guys for watching and uh, I'll see you in the next one. The Reg boy just woke up.